0: Welcome to the Innovation Conversation, a podcast about innovators, both in business and real life, hosted by myself, Ricardo Pesquale, and Harry Makana. Today's episode is sponsored by HyperSkill. HyperSkill is a learning and training platform that enables people from all over the world to learn new tech skills. If you're looking to learn new tech skills, this is a platform to choose.
1: You can find out more about them on HyperSkill.org. Hi, and welcome to the Innovation Conversation, which is hosted by myself I'm Ricardo, and today, we're creating a captivating episode of the Innovation Conversation where we sit down with Ewan Moran, the founder and CEO of Barback, which is a pioneering platform dedicated to transforming the hospitality industry. Now we're going to go over to the most important question, which is Ewan, would you like to introduce yourself and how and why you came up with Barback and your journey
2: today? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm Ewan, um, and uh, I'm the one crazy enough to think that I can start a, bit a revolution in hospitality. Um, they started off when I was at university in Exeter. Um, I thought, you know, being autistic, um, I'll go work in a bar and I'll learn how to communicate and how to talk to people. As I said, uh, I talk a bit too much now, so I'd say mission accomplished on that end. Um, but um, within a few months of my, of my first job uh, in a bar, I was, the, I was the, the, the head bartender, the bar trainer, the bar manager. I was everything because I'm the only guy left. Um, yeah, I felt like a North Korean general having all these titles on. Um, but really, it's just you. Um, meant to have a team of sixteen, uh, went down to just one. Um, Saying so you're being overworked, you know, almost every single day uh, for weeks on end. You don't get these things called days off. Um, that was an alien word in hospitality, and still is for many people. I mean, ninety-six percent of venues are still currently facing shortages. Um, so you know, it's a big, profound problem that's been happening for the last half a century at least. Saying no resources working for people. You know, I was passing out and I was throwing I was up because I'm being overworked too much. Um, that's not a, a gen fear saying I've been overworked too much, I, mean, I genuinely was. Uh, you know, I was collapsing on ship. So I thought, okay, how do we solve the problem? Um, and I saw a lot of competitors, when I call them that, out there, who would charge to hire somebody for either freelance or full-time job, and they'd charge 30% commission, 20% tax on top of that. Mm-hmm. So to hire someone for minimum wage, say, £10 an hour, you're paying over £15 um, just uh to be able to hire somebody you can't afford to pay that uh, that wage so you pay other people you know smaller you try and cut corners here and there um, try and create a smaller team which aren't motivated because they're running a really basic wage um the worker can't survive on that wage. so everyone's missing out no, no one's benefiting apart from the recruiter yeah. and i thought that's not quite fair this is actually mm-hmm. contributing to the problem um, it was perpetual i can't afford to hire people i can't afford to pay them i'm to keep on paying super, uh, you know, a premium mates here, um, so let's solve it. Um, so, I created what we now call a, a labor infrastructure platform. We do freelancing, we build people's careers up, we give them full time jobs as well, um, and we offer a, a really good uh, benefits package that benefits both workers and ultimately um, venues as well in the long term. Um, just creating that one stop shop for everything workers and employees need to be able to get along and not mm-hmm. just survive but also to thrive. In an interest, been Traditionally opened up um, and underserved and, and overlooked.
0: No, that's that's very cool. I, I think one of the key elements of this is you cut back on the middleman. But the middleman was getting the biggest profit uh, of you know of the whole interaction. But actually, he wasn't putting in any work, right?
2: Exactly. They they, they weren't <laughs> actually really. Um, so, one company, um, a competitor. I don't know if I can name competitors in here or or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they,
3: if you, you can name it them, workers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, Sorry.
2: Yes, yeah, so there was one. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe if I had a beer, I'd probably be, be name dropping left right, and center. Um, mm-hmm. So if you do a second podcast, maybe maybe that will happen. Um, but so the metrics that we were using for workers was attitude, productivity, and absences. And, and mm-hmm. it's a very big brother metric. It's very you know, how does a manager view you and not yeah. You know, like, as a manager, I could not like someone, but still say they worked really fast, or mm-hmm. yeah, their cops are really great, or yeah, the whole team loved them, they're good at, um, at teamwork. Um, yeah. But I would like them to, to serve customers. So it wasn't about, do you like this person or not? It was about, okay, where did they excel? Where did they excel? Um, which, you know, even if I'm going to work, I've still got a scar from burning myself using the coffee machine, but I make yeah. a really mean margarita. So basically put me in the bar and not in coffee. And, and that would be, you know, I think every worker should be able to demonstrate where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, so that then employers then know where to put them. That might be a radical idea, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's uh, it's common sense, which I do believe is in short supply nowadays.
0: No,
2: it is. But
0: common it... sense one hundred percent is in short supply. But you actually touch on something that that is interesting. Um, if we take Gordon Ramsay for example, a figure we all we all kind of love and, and, and know. He didn't perform that well in his first job actually the the whole ground around started when they were filming a documentary on I think Marco Pierre, who we work with I probably got the, his name wrong mm-hmm. um not, not of my age and they were filming a documentary and he decided to organize a mutiny and leave midway to service. Right, And that doesn't go on showing actually he was a bad worker. Quite on the contrary, he was a very good worker. He just didn't find the the working environment he would prosper in. And it's the same thing in a lot of hospitality jobs, right? You might fit in, uh, I don't know, a Scottish bar where everyone wears kilts or you might not fit in. Um, So you need to find the the ideal gig. But that does not mean you're not a good worker. It just means you haven't found the the right place to work in, right? So uh, this was... I was just going to it's ask you a question. question. Um, by having this type of metric and removing the recruitment uh, out of it, uh, or the, the recruiters and their fees, um, what sort of differences and what sort of stories can you tell us about people who you know, completely changed their life? And I'm sure you have tons of really, really... Yeah,
2: well, cat- um, stories. But Yes, so um, I was known... Uh, the extra part that I began managing top because people... Uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of known at university as a Peaky Blinder Bar Manager. Um, yeah. Because I sort of have a Birmingham accent. So I have a Peaky Blinder cap, I have my vases, my waistcoat, my, uh, oh, okay. my trousers. <laughs> I, you know, I look like a Peaky Blinder. And mm-hmm. that, that was the idea. Was, okay, how can I bring some kind of personality and some you know, shabam to, to this venue? It's a really new venue. It's really just open. like just prior to be joining. Um, and so that, that was the idea. So uh, people then came up to me at university, knowing who I was, I was asking, where can I get a job? Um, so I was doing this manually for, for years. Um, I'd look and yeah. up and down. Okay, well, you're six foot four, you play rugby. There's an Irish sports bar down the road. Let's put you in there and see how that works out.
3: Uh-huh. Um,
2: and so I was doing this manually for a while. Because as you say, you know, um, I wouldn't do well in a wine bar because I just, when, when a wine bottle says you have, notes of roses and chocolate and vanilla and cinnamon and goat cheese and you know, cement and, 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 and you know, stripper paint. I don't, I don't get those notes. Um, yep. With whiskey, <laughs> I do. Um, but put me in like a put me in a Latin American cocktail bar where it's about making really good cocktails and a show mm-hmm. and dancing to Latin music. That's where yep. I really like. Um, and so, again, how about you have an app here that shows it's not just what your skills are, but how good those skills are in certain places of work. Because some people prefer to be in a sports bar with sports fans and sports going on, pulling pints. Some prefer mm-hmm. to be at a French wine bar where they're going to taste certain wines and what that yes. feels like, how to pair it up with types of food. So that was it, it was it's social matchmaking, not just professional matchmaking. Um, mm-hmm. And that was a big point for us when we when we started them. Um, yeah. But that doesn't make you your thirty percent commission. That's something that requires putting money down just because you care about the industry, not about making profit. Um, mm-hmm. So that there was that kind of, okay, there's been more money doing this, and in the end, it's to benefit the industry, but we're not going to maximize profit to the extent other people do.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the that's key element. For example, I'm not a big sports person. I know Harry is a great footballer. I, I'm horrible at it. So if you put me in a sports bar talking about football, I'm going to both gonna have the most miserable face as if my team is losing every single day right um i do like the whole bar environment but not in the sports bar but if, maybe if you put me in, like in a foodie place i'll love it oh yeah exotic for me <laughs> put this you know yeah. this fancy ingredient from somewhere so i'm gonna love it but again it doesn't mean i'll be a bad worker it just means it's not a good fit right and i agree with you 100 i think harry agrees as exactly. well right yeah you need you need to reward people oh, definitely for what
1: where their
3: passion is yeah
1: I think you and are we quite <laughs> interested to find out about your early days what kind of brought you into this because from previous conversations there was quite an interesting backstory to yourself about was it building nuclear power stations at a very young age it'd be quite interesting to elaborate oh, on that and i can see the smile <laughs> on your face
2: <laughs> yeah well i mean this weekend that i was just at you know, it was all about um so like, like bc secret 1517 and um uh, it's sort of like getting young people who are kind of like super nerdy and super innovative and getting it all together. And I was saying to Harry, there was, uh, there was somebody who was like 16 years old building like a, a bio um, recording app to measure athletes like burn stress levels. When okay. You're 16 doing this. So it was, was full of people like that. But um, yes, for me, you know, I'm 24 now, but um, 10 years ago, I began uh, working on Project Nevada, which was, Named aptly after the uh, Nevada test sites where the nuclear bombs were tried. Everyone, we might get
3: every
2: 50 and then yes, yes, yes. And then maybe 51 <laughs> doesn't actually exist, but um, yes, <laughs> uh, moving on. So I was building, a, the other was to design a nuclear reactor that was portable. Um, basically, democratize energy because nuclear fission is really cheap, um, yeah. it's really reliable. Um, it's really eco-friendly despite what some people say. It actually is eco-friendly too, as long as it doesn't go kaboom. Um, if it does go kaboom, then you've <laughs> got a problem. But, you know, just, just, you know, look after it and it'll look after you. And you can sure. put these reactors in, um, industri- in like, industrial estates, um, energy complexes, any, any mm-hmm. high security area, like a government building, like the White House, for example, you put them here. Um, and you can use it for space flight as well. Um, you know, currently, you know, to get to Mars, it would take us about three to nine months Um, But with these nuclear reactors, you get them in two weeks. So, massively shortening uh, interstellar travel. Um, But then you have to create a a shipyard and you have to be able to attach this stuff. And that's a whole other ballpark. That's a whole other, yeah. a stepping stone to get there.
3: Okay, Um, but we're not doing
0: that. Sorry, uh, Karina, we're not mixing barback with anything nuclear at this stage, at least. Nuclear drinks, I hear they're a Next big time. thing in the
1: future. But um, <laughs> I think it's a very interesting story going from nuclear power stations to barback. but also even your story about hmm. how you actually raised your first bit of investment for barback—I, uh, You know, I, I thought that was incredible. And I, I would presume a lot of our audience would be really interested to see how you actually raised your first bit of cash or finance. Actually, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, imagine a lot of
2: entrepreneurs, you know, listen into this. So it could be actually a good piece of... Um, advice mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know. Um but so two of my first investments were on a train. Um I just got on a train and then started talking to somebody next to me. Um then the first one was getting the midnight night moving which goes from London down towards you know, like Cornwall. Um mm-hmm. and to get to exit it took four hours. It was from it was like midnight, three like am in the morning, we're by Bristol, and the train stopped for like an hour. Um and this guy turns around to me and goes, Are we not mm-hmm. moving? And I was like, Are you Scottish? he was like, Aye. I went there's a bar on this train, should we use it? Because the train has a bar <laughs> right? It's a nine trains, he has got like a whole bar. Right? Yeah. Like, the two Scotsman has to do what two Scotsman should do when there's a bar on the train. You, you know, the appropriate mm-hmm. thing to do is to, to go to the bar and, 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 and drink it, try. Um, and we did. He was asking me all these questions about what, what I'm doing and yeah, I'm, well, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, my mm-hmm. husband was doing, the other people, the questions he was asking. Yeah. And then he asked him what he does. And he was like, I'm a global director over Aldi. I was, and oh, wow. like eat the words i just said um mm-hmm. anyway so we, we, had a, we had a quick call afterwards um year, there were only some little gin bottles left on the train there was nothing else left so you
3: know
2: it, yeah. um, it, to, to follow this advice you have to have a high tolerance to, to alcohol uh <laughs> but um but then you ended up putting in uh, the first check-in the first four thousand um first one we never raised and that helped us get like a, a prototype out there the second one again was on a train uh, was in a conversation uh, this guy thought I was talking to him, so I sat down and I said, Oh, you thought I was talking to you, didn't you? <laughs> um, we started talking. Again, I had a, a four pack in my bag, so it was a theme. Um, and of the McCann, you know, we, we just started talking, met up for a couple of drinks a spot to eat, and then he put in forty thousand. Um wow. so you know, two of my three first investments, um I've like got five investments now, got a few more on the way. Um, actually a guy texted me for the podcast I've not opened it. Just because mm-hmm. yeah, it's, like, it's like, um what do you call it? So investment, right? Until I open yeah. that text, I've either gotten it or not gotten it. So I'm not going to not gonna open it uh-huh. for, for the interview. We yeah, had two out of five as of now were from people that my train. And And um, I think it comes down to the you know, the, the drinking element on the side is give everyone five minutes of your time because you have mm-hmm. no idea who you're talking to. You have really? no idea who's around you. Everyone's five minutes. Um, you never know that.
0: It's a good, good, approach. Who bought the first round? I think that's uh, everyone's curious because <laughs> that's a good tip for for entrepreneurs. Who buys the
2: first round? <laughs> well, in, 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 so I was—I give the agent, the last guy, counts. Uh, so I guess me, but um, he did mm-hmm. kind of cover the first couple of bottles of wine when we actually met up. Um, yeah, on the train. Um, yeah, Adam, was—he uh, put the first round. Um, so, I mean, I was a little bit hesitant because, yeah, disposable income is in short supply when you're trying to make your own business, especially during the pandemic as well.
3: Yes, exactly. Um,
2: so, yeah, he got he the first round. Um, so, yeah, I put, so I put, yeah. It was a, it was a really a couple good couple of experiences.
0: It was an excellent day for you because you managed to find a drinking buddy, you managed to find an investor, and he managed to get the first round in. So, I, you know, happy days all over. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he bit in on our first round too, right? So he's got a really healthy discount. Yeah. Um, I was saying at the valuation we're currently raising at now, he's made a twenty x investment from it. So yeah, it was worth paying for the first round, I think. Yeah, hundred
0: percent. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I guess maybe going back to to this the whole side of business things because there is a lot of. Uh, I know you work with Parliament. Do you want to tell us a bit more about how that works? Uh, Not as an MP, I'm assuming. Um, Could
2: be wrong. (laughs) Give give it it a few years. uh, We'll see what happens. Um, Mm -hmm. But Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I I had this notion that, okay, what we're building touches on HR law, touches on GDPR law as well. Uh, We are using blockchain technologies. There's blockchain law as well. Um, You're you're paying salaries. It's fintech law too. So we're, we're... all the big button issues in, in government, I'm just tapping them all. Um, so I thought we, may, we should probably you know, reach out to uh, some peers and reach out to some MPs and, and, and you mm-hmm. ask, um, you know, what should we do, how do we do this? Um, then I'm part of a couple of um, like, uh, groups um, there as well. So yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people, I think, try to solve the regulation issues after they've built something. But the issue is you then built something so if something's going to go through you know a legislative branch um that's gonna impact your business but if you're there at the beginning you get to at least know what's going to happen um, in the future you can actually pay yourself for that um, and address mm-hmm. those concerns uh, through the proper channels i think um so yeah um essentially that, that that's that component
0: cool um I, I guess we we have here a question which I, I could be quite interesting is about social responsibility and how how, how barback does mm-hmm. that? Um, could, is there anyone who came back to you and actually said, look, this completely changed the way I go about making money and the way I go about this industry. It's been night and day. Before, I hated it. After, I absolutely love it. And I found my true passion in the industry, my true calling in life. Do you, do you have any, any of those stories to tell us?
2: Yeah, I mean, service onboarding for, for beta, we currently have um most at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I go to onboard some independents. Um, market research includes having to purchase either a drink or some food. So, you know, it's not all, you know, you're not, you're not just running around a like headless chicken. You do get five minutes alone uh, with like a manager, for example. Um, and you know, it's a nice benefit to have in your industry. You have to have a pint that's over a meal. Um, and um, with independents, I tell them what I do. And um, I say, oh, he's, he's going to sell you something. And the manager came along. So, look, we do mm-hmm. staffing, but we don't charge commission. And that's the pretty cool thing about us. Yeah. Um, it, and so then the eyes kind of go Wow, Okay, so you're not trying to sell me you know, really expensive stuff. The mm-hmm. moment you you say that, um, it just opens up the, the, the sales book. pitch turned on its head. Um, yeah, because you know when, when you're first going to say, oh, I do recruiting, they think you're going to fleece them. I um, this is a huge problem, which is why a lot of previous startups who do commission for a freelancing don't actually work out. It's because... The employers know you're fleecing them. They know that they're handing money at a fist for mm. this, and sometimes they can't help it. So, when someone comes along saying, Hey, um, you know, I don't do that, and also we give you some pretty cool benefits. Um, yeah. And the really cool thing what we do is the fact that um, other companies can't match our pricing um, mm-hmm. because you know if you're charging that much commission, you have recruiters working for your business. Now, those yeah. recruiters get a slice of the pie uh, when look at what it gets done. Yes, um, of course. So to match our prices, that means your recruiters aren't going to get any of that, that really healthy bonus that keeps some interest, that keeps an employee at the business.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so you know, we've kind of got a little moat there. So we've got to price match our, So you have to get some new employees because they're not going to hand around to get no
3: commission. Of
0: course, yeah. I, th- I think th- that's, that's a, a valuable in- insight and, and tip for anyone starting in business, which is don't try to make it just for yourself, try and add value to someone else's life. That should be your goal, isn't it? How can I add value? How can I solve someone else's problem? And then you're going to get your share because that's going to happen. If you get business by solving someone else's problems, that's it. Happy days. Um, I think the the problem you touched on, which is recruiters are just in for the sake of, yeah, I'm going to place someone and that's it. And the story, actually, no, because placing someone and the cost of hiring someone and then the cost of firing someone, of training and of a mismatch, it's actually really, really high. And most of these small businesses, especially yeah. in hospitality, because it's a very high turnover industry, that's not what you want. You don't want to have staff revolving through the door every day. You need to train them up. You're going to have drops in productivity. You're going to have a longer queue waiting for a beer, a coffee, coffee, uh, your food, whatever it might be, right? So you make sure it's well aligned yeah. and everything works seamlessly.
2: Well- this is where our, our career building element came in as well. was say, okay, so mm-hmm. what extra value beyond pay can we give to um, our workers? And the idea was okay, most workers are at university or they love hospitality and want to go from being a bartender to being a bar manager. And you know, I, yeah. I said um, to quite a few people in, in the industry, I said, look, if I was using the platform, I'd be building my career to the point I can be a bar manager over in Hawaii, because at that point, sure you're working in the bar, but you're in Hawaii. So are you really yeah. working? <laughs> Um, and with our platform, you can really work hard and build your career and demonstrate yourself to be worthy of that job. to um, mm-hmm. so have career progression, and, and then we say, and if, if then all your shifts are being ledgered, for example, or your places are being ledgered, um, how hungover are workers going to get themselves um, when they know that this is going to go towards their career, towards their CV? Um, yeah. How rude are they going to be? Because there are some bad eggs in hospitality, there are bad eggs everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. How do we show them that if you work hard, you're going to get a lot of value down the line. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's about providing, literally, lifetime value. Like, you know, people always ask in, in the VC the world or the uh, investment world, um, what's the lifetime value of the customer? You know, how much money are you going to get from them? Um, and yeah. part of my response is, but the lifetime value we're giving them is, they, they can use this to get any career they want. Wouldn't say, demonstrate who they are as a worker. Um, and again, it comes to that social responsibility angle of, okay, I'm not just this for my money what value and what help can i give to employers and employees alike no matter what their work of life um, and that was a really central question to planning everything that we did.
1: that's definitely a very big yeah uh, that, makes, that makes makes good sense I, 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 was, I was going to quickly mention on that one how I, I guess going on to a certain area which is yourself being quite young 24 you mentioned earlier about having uh, autism as well how do you find these i guess you yeah, are yep. not stigmatisms, nowadays we're here to promote and really alleviate these into the world of EDI. How are you finding that's really helping you in, in today's world, being young, a young entrepreneur, um, you know, someone who, who's in the EDI brackets? Are you finding it's more open for you or is it a very still a very, very tricky world because you come across as a, a lot more mature. I wouldn't have taken you for 24, <laughs> maybe my age or, or Ricardo's, I, but I, it's I, the years of wisdom you I have. have no idea, no. <laughs>
2: um i yeah he, he normally all well, the questions asked so far i'm nodding <laughs> I'm, even I'm shaking um edi doesn't really apply to neurodivergent people um, it should but it, it's still and it, it's a it's a, bit of a mindful at the moment it, it's still you know what do you look like if you've got a physical disability um then you do fit that track. if you've got a mental disability um ask? so all the funds set to apply to all the programs accelerators uh, people ask, you know, what's your um, what's your race, what's your religion, um, what's your gender orientation, what's your sexual orientation, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Not one fund or one accelerator out of the probably half a thousand I've applied to, they asked you have neurodivergence? Um, no one asked it, not a single person. Really? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really, I mean, yeah, wherever I've applied to, there's never, there's never been that little tick box uh, where you can show, look, I'm, I'm neurodivergent. Um, I've yeah, I know. I was really frustrated <laughs> I, with this. Actually I'm at because, all. You know, I'm we, at we, all. We, we, we do also exist, you know? <laughs> like we, are, no, we, like, we do exist as well. And, um, no, that's, that's the thing. Because for me, solitary, like,
0: that is impressive. Because I actually think, because I, apparently I got a DHD, which explains why I love cooking so much, because I'm multitasking all the time. And I love the intensity, right? Multiple tasks, yeah. high intensity, high dopamine, my brain is happy. So if I was to run yeah. a, a restaurant, I'll be looking for people exactly with the same type of energy because I know they can multitask. I know their brain is built differently, and I know they will thrive in a high-intensity type of environment. But if, you, if you're if yeah. you looking for something on the other side of the, the, the spectrum, maybe someone who needs a more focused approach, something like that, maybe I would go um, for someone who's the, the exact opposite. They need concentration, they need focus. There'll be excellent pastry chefs, for example, right? Those really beautiful yep. cakes, tons of layers, things like that. So yeah, why would you not try and fit into to those skills? Because I think it's a skill; it's and a
2: superpower. I'm, uh, I'm also going through my diagnosis for for ADHD, and uh, I ADHD is one of those like, I love it and hate it at the same time. It's just. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really chaotic the way you are in the domain of chaos and you are cooking. You've got 20 things mm-hmm. at once. Like you just need to like, Superman mode. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. <laughs> I, I think that's what's bit about entrepreneurship if you have ADHD, is that you know, you're doing multiple things at once. You're going to multiple emails, multiple calls, multiple meetings, yeah. um, trying to work on multiple designs and stuff. And it, it's like cooking. You're cooking a business. Um, it, 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 the, the cook time takes a while um, but you know hopefully uh, you've got a really tasty dish once you finished with it and everyone loves it um, and I think that's a pretty cool metaphor that we could, we could use um, but um, you know like I say I have never seen an application where it says that at all. Um, being young though does help um, mm-hmm. and it either does or it doesn't um, so sometimes you get past when like, you're a young student um, you haven't done your five years at the local PwC or EY um, you mm-hmm. haven't done your two glad scheme at J.P. Morgan so what do you know um, and you have to prove that you do know something but then the doors open sometimes when you're young um, as you said it this fun including 17 which um, I've got the book here the awesome book that is written it's about you know, investing in like young people at that like mm-hmm. young age uh, really taking them, uh, with them creating the invisible the invisible college he calls it um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you know, so, so you've got people there who, if you are young, go, okay, you're nuts, uh, but you're nuts to you make something <laughs> work. Um, yeah. they just show us that. And some people are like that. They, they like the, the underdog. They like the young person who's got that little bit of naivety, but also has that kind of passion and that knowledge. Yeah. So um, yeah. the young one, it, it goes both ways. Um, but the new diverse one, I, I'm still yet to, to find people who uh, even ask that or even consider it to, to be a thing.
0: I got a follow-up question that's related, but at the same time, not related, which is to do with the shortages in the industry, right? Um, So for all our international listeners, just to kind of um, put things in perspective, the UK went through a process called uh, Brexit, we're not going to get political on this (laughs) at all. Uh, But it did did mean that a lot of, no, because we all have our own opinions, obviously. um, But it didn't mean that a lot of the young workers coming in from the European Union are no longer allowed to come into the, the country. And also a lot of the hospitality jobs are not particularly well-paid, which means that uh, the UK can no longer hire people from abroad to work these type of jobs because they pay under the threshold for immigration. So how are you finding um, the industry staff shortages? What type of ways are are you fighting back against it? What's happening? Tell tell us your insight on this because you have super insightful insight. Let's call it that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. um... Well, we constantly do our research, and every quarter we do uh, I think, a quarter report of the industry, like a state of the industry, um, mm-hmm. like a little pun on the State of the Union in the U.S. do. Um, yeah. I, I would contend that yeah, Brexit did kind of screw over hospitality, that that is a fact. Um, but this labor crisis is actually affecting Western Europe and North America um, mm-hmm. just as much. Um, and, and there's a big problem here um, in the U.S. when it comes to people who are unemployed. Um, their class, if they're not looking for work, their class is retired. Um,
3: Okay.
2: No, you're not retired, you're just not working for work. Same with uh, the UK, if you fail to find work within a few months, um, Mm -hmm. your class is not looking for work, so you're not unemployed. Um, So if you add those people into the unemployed statistics, um, Mm -hmm. those statistics kind of double, um, which is really scary, um, because no one really... So it's the question yeah. of, why are people not returning to work? Um, now, a large part of that was furlough, especially up until round about now. Uh, people mm-hmm. still have, you know, have their, you know, one and a half thousand pounds a month furlough. You got that for 36 months. You want you a nice bit of cash, especially if you live with your parents, for example, which a lot of them are bartenders. So it's OK, well, that cash will dry up. So we're going to get returned to the workforce soon. Um, there's a lot of remote work available now as well, which I think is a big contributor as well. Um, your, your, your problem also is true, but that's, that's that's like half of the problem, and I'm just saying the other half of the problem that we have, which together creates yeah. a very you know morbid outlook for hospitality. Um, but so a large part of that we solve through what are our career building and two, our benefits package. I mean, you know, what, what young kid doesn't want discounts on you know alcohol brands, for example, or, or on or on you know, certain types of food or whatever, so you know, how can we entice people to come back into the industry? Um, mm-hmm. and so it's basically just being really competitive with other jobs. We can't pay 25 pounds an hour, um, local venues, but can we give you 25 pounds an hour in value elsewhere? Uh, yes, we can if you know where to look. <laughs> um, not be to disclose where to look because that's, uh, that's a trade secret, sure. but that was a It was about how do you make. Working here is so valuable that people will take that plunge and come back into the workforce. And that's a big question that we've worked on for about uh, October, November, on how to solve.
0: Have you managed so to solve it? Problem. But, the, but the,
2: <laughs> I'd say we're getting there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing. People don't want to work for a place they don't like anymore. They want to work for a place that makes them feel, I'm going to say loved, even though that's very esoteric, but that, that, I think that's kind of what we're looking for. when We're going to find a new job, isn't it? where do we feel fulfilled as individuals individual yeah. instead of just, you know, having something that pays the bills. Right. Um, yeah. so it's, it's good that you found a way of fixing this issue. <laughs> and i found at least, I don't know if, if Harry had the same experience, but going out after the pandemic, at least in London was night and day, uh, before you can see people who were really passionate. And then afterwards it was a complete mismatch. Um, basic mistakes were being made and you, you really saw that people were struggling and they were trying their best, but there was a gap there between the, you know, the learning stage and actually performing. And yeah, it's, it's a tough job. Hospitality is it's one of the toughest jobs in the world. It,
2: it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be. Um, yeah, I do still see glimpses of shadows uh, past that you kind of mentioned. Um, yeah. There's a, a company called the Craft Beer Company. Um, mm-hmm. The small, uh, chain, family run, um, and on on the team, they're craft beer—that's what they do, and yeah. everybody works there. They love craft beer, which is a really good fit. And it's kind of going back to that social matchmaking again. Of okay, no one's going to return to work for something they don't want to work at. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of change for employees, uh, and the question is, okay, we're going to get you staff that you really like, and the staff really like you, but you have going to treat them right this time because they've all got PTSD from working. You know, work for so many hours, yeah. in a really underpaid job in a really bad area, something they don't, they don't like. So how do we solve that problem? And that's, again, something that was uh, at our core was there's gonna be a new, con- a new social contract is going to be made between employees and employees' hospitality. Um, mm-hmm. That's how we're gonna solve this problem. We can't keep on using, um, you know, what we're doing for the last 50 years, and hope it's gonna work now. People had two yeah. years to think about this. Um, and mm-hmm. people are like, okay, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Um, so, again, our platform basically creates a new contract, uh, literally, between employees and employees, um, and that should be enough. And But what one thing is scary because then we have a time constraint, right? You mentioned people's souls are being crushed gradually one by one, which is basically what you're kind of saying. Um, yeah. So, at some point in time, people will just be so soul-destroyed, they're not going to have that passion anymore. Like if you put yeah. out that flame, like you, mm-hmm. and this is actually, again, a big social part of our, of our problem, is that if we create a good workplace, people enjoy. So when I applied to 2017, i said, um, you know, people say that you're a product of your environment. And I said, but you let your workplace more than your home place. So you're a product of your workplace more than your home. So we create a good workplace. you then a happy, happy worker. You go home. You have a happy house, happy wife, happy life, happy kids, happy yes. school. You, you, you then just change the social dynamics across an entire nation. Um, yeah. That's a naivety in me. Is we can't change, like uh, like the psychology of people on a national scale for the better, just by giving people a better workplace. Don't um, mind, um, and you I'm you, you're, you're, you're not sure your back at home
3: anymore. I'm just well, saying. I you... mean, yeah. Just to touch on a quick see. point.
0: This is a good yeah, politician. Yeah, speech I, right wanted, I,
1: wanted to, I wanted to kind of pick up on what Ricardo <laughs> mentioned there, a key term which was uh, learnings, and. Where do you see the hospitality going in the next yeah. five, 10 years? How do you see your platform kind of helping or pushing people forward towards these problems you're trying to solve? Where's kind of the end goal for you?
2: Um, I mean, look, we, we really are. I know everyone mentions you're know, you in the, uh, a fork in the road kind of moment, um, but we, we really are. Um, you know, people can't hold out much longer, um, so something has to be done. And so the two scenarios are going to happen here. One, we're going to go into a bit of like a a hospitality winter, as it is where we've got a lot more venues closing down because they're just not getting the revenue in and they can't get the right staff. Um, You're going to see a lot of venues going back to offering more basic menus and and more basic uh, drinks menus. Um, And if they they still fail to produce enough revenue, they're going to be taken over by lots of corporates and then they become a huge corporate rather than becoming a very unique independent. And I think a lot of us will prefer those independent uh, restaurants and bars. Mm
3: -hmm. I think yeah. all the
2: flavours, all the characters, well, the special services, and um, we risk losing what I think is, is the, the, the 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 golden gems in in hospitality. Um, the other um, uh, side of things, and I'm a I'm a half glass full kind of guy. Most things, I always look at the bright side of the life and, and all that shaman, Um Is that we're going to see in this hour of need, and in these the trying times so of not having as much revenue as possible, we're going to double down offering stuff that's unique like a unique service, any unique decorations we could put up, any unique offerings, any unique type of branding uh, that we could go up with, we're going to be doubling down on trying to stand up from everybody else. And that's going to create a resurgence. Um, Actually, I used to talk about how um, the hospitality industry in Germany, back in the Weimar Republic, um, which was in the 1920s, before the Wall Street crash, Hospitality had a huge like cultural resurgence or renaissance in my in, 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 in Germany. You, you have like 40-year-old men, you like know, white tuxedos, coined martinis. And but, but that was you don't see that anymore, do you really? Mm-hmm. I mean, apart in a few bars in London, that was that was really common. Um, you had a huge renaissance, and I think we could potentially have that again. And that's something I want to deliver on um, on a global scale in hospitality, not just in the UK, but globally. Um, um, yeah, we had it once before, 100 years ago, and literally 100 years today, uh, yeah. is when the you know, Wall Street Press happened at a, at a few years. Um, mm-hmm. So I think a century later, we can bring that back. Um, and if that happens, I think you're going to see resurgence in hospitality and the surgeons of people going out and having that great wonderful experience you mentioned pre COVID. Definitely. Um, yeah. And then, then as we come to the end of good, the podcast,
1: we we'd be very interested, yeah, in, especially our audiences, um, would be interested in hearing about some of your. what what would you give to them about starting a venture young, your entrepreneurial journey? What are some of the challenges that you faced and successes and what kind of insights can you give to our audience in regards to doing what you've done, taking the leap, going, you know, you you mentioned, I think you dropped out of uni at one stage and now you're pursuing this full time as well. What what advice would you give them? So
2: I've got got a shortened you know, almost three years worth of advice into, into a couple of minutes. That's going to be a, a,
1: a challenge. <laughs> there we go, a challenge.
2: I so nice. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, look, when I saw people at university who are transiting, you know, I'd, again, get asked questions because I, I was, I'd was I incorporated, I was doing, yeah, I was crazy enough to take the leap and incorporate the business and go, okay, I'm now a director of basically a shell corporation, but, you know, I'm still a director of a company. Um, I'd say, in short, if we could do it in two words, I would just say, be prolific. Um, everything you do, be prolific. You know, where we got our two investors was, we, I wouldn't stop talking to anybody about what we're doing. I would talk to absolutely anyone in the months. You know, be prolific. Um, you know, try and get to as many, as many accelerators as you can. Try to get to as many uh, events as you can. I mean, we've got something called event, right? and most of the events are free, and actually in the entrepreneurial world, everything's uh, like a trade secret. Um, but no one really goes to paid events. Uh, if, it's a, if we're not given beer and pizza, we don't go. Um, yeah. Even if you can afford it, we still know if it's a paid event and it's not like a conference. it's a conference, something different. Um, mm-hmm. But you can normally find sort of like a anyway. um, but if it's a free event, if it's a free event, you know, you're going to meet people there. If it's a paid-for event and it's not a conference, we always yeah. Where's the value. Unless there's a huge speaker, we, we don't really pay for this event. So just go event Eventbrite type, you know entrepreneurship or uh, funding or investment or startup, and you'll find two dozen events going in that city that day um, and attend. Yeah, even if you Exeter or Birmingham or Manchester, you still have this stuff. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and just yeah, be prolific with funding events, finding accelerators, um, any bre- webinars you could find. you got to start somewhere and just, it's a numbers game. Um, it's literally a numbers game. You could find as many places you can, such as many events as you can, just attend and each time you attend an event, you'll learn something new. Um, you'll learn something new every day, and then you'll get better and better and better. And after a year, you have to give it a go for like a year, a year and a half potentially. But you will, we, we always say, when when you, entrepreneurship, a lot of people say, when you fail your first startup, you've now got an MBA entrepreneurship. You know, what to do and what not to do for the next time, right? Let's um, say after doing this for like a year, a year and a half, you get your master's degree in entrepreneurship. You, you can't learn this in a lecture, uh until you have panic attacks and until, your heart you simply simply having meetings. Until you start sweating yeah. at events. Until you experience like that, you, you can't learn that in a lecture hall. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. just be prolific.
0: It's it's the, the the whole story. You cannot learn how to surf by reading a book. It doesn't work that way.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you you have, have to go out and exactly. catch it's, a wave. Yeah. You, you have to go and experience it. Right. And yeah. that's kind of part of our kind of things, okay, we've got people who have done stuff. They'd be way better to employ the to just than a degree. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to social impact, again, I'll I'm finish this. Um, yeah, we, because we ledger people's careers, if they then apply to a job saying, hey, I got a 2-2 in my degree, I didn't get a 2 first, or with honors, mm-hmm. but look at what I've done for the last three years in work. Yeah. You can see I'm tried and tested. You know, I've spoken to customers every single day of my life for the last, you know, got a salon. You know, I've got these reviews from employers, colleagues, you know, I've got all this stuff. Um, as well as my degree, as opposed to applying saying, hey, daddy paid for my education, and for my accommodation, so here's my degree, I've got a 2-1 because I've nothing else to do. And so we live in a playing field for you know, people who are fortunate enough to uh, have to work. You know, people who aren't fortunate enough, they have to do work to be able to make ends meet. we well, mm-hmm. got the back, Jack. Um, and so yeah. that's what we do on, on the social impact front as well.
0: But uh, to be honest, I would always hire someone who has done more in their everyday life than someone who just committed to studying, because their skill set is going to be just limited to yeah. their academic skills, sp- especially fresh out of uni. Where if you have someone said, "Look, I went to uni, I got a two two just just for international listeners. Two two is not the highest graduation uh, achievement you can get or level you can get, uh, but it's 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 good. Two um, one is the highest, right? If I'm not mistaken." 2 honors is the highest. 2 with honors uh, is the highest one. The highest one. Uh, so if you get average, people are like, well, you only got average, Are you not academically capable. But then if you look at actually I was working all the time, I was supporting myself, that's that's a lot of value right there. That shows a lot of character. Yep. And a lot of companies actually need character. They don't need tons of academic, academic achievement. They need someone who's character with passion who's going to deliver. I'd say
2: especially as we, we're transitioning um, as a society from what do you know to what can you know? You know, the, yeah. the domain of information now is becoming so large. Um, you, you can't possibly learn anything about one field. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, if you need to learn about this, can you do it? Um, yeah. I think especially hospitality, when you are you are on your feet, you are constantly able to think and address. Uh, mm-hmm. If you do then your degree as well, you probably would be able to go, okay, I know how to do this. Um, and again, just providing the infrastructure for this to happen. Um, as you said, I mean, there's a bit of validation there um, that's how you would you would work as well i mean yeah i think it's yeah you want to see some other experience otherwise untested um mm-hmm. when it goes to a product for reviews right you want to see how this product is in people's hands find yeah. it with people sure you want to see how people review other people and how they, they found them too so um again common sense i don't have that but i know how this should
3: work so yeah
0: it's. A, I think you know. As we're kind of finishing the end of our podcast, we always give our our guests, uh, a moment to to share their wisdom, not the wisdom, share their company, tell us where we can find them. Uh, so you, if you want to go ahead and, and plug as much stuff as you feel like you want to plug, uh, please go ahead. So tell us your website, tell us how listeners can reach out to you because we're going to have both the video and also the audio. So, um, you know, they probably see yeah. our faces, um, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> but also just so people listening. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I think you're the one with I the think, best background. Got um, uh, but how can people reach out to you, uh, <laughs> the website, all those important things? So go ahead.
2: Yes, like, um, just Google my name, you're rank, and you'll get like LinkedIn and Instagram come up, two best places to contact me. Oh. Um, Telegram, my name is The Bartender with the Cause. Um, kind of sums up oh. who I am. I'm oh. literally a bartender <laughs> with a cause. Um, and then um, our website is barback.uk. Um, just dot UK. We've got a new, fresh mm-hmm. website coming out in a few weeks, um, to be nice and nice and sexy, and a lot of you know, more UI and UX in it. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, that, that's me.
0: I see. Lovely, Ewan. Thank you very much for, for your time today. It's been lovely having you here and learning more about bar and all the changes you're bringing to the workplace. Thank, thank
3: you. you. It's been an absolute pleasure.